Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. And it's another huge weekend of racing. So on day of race betting, why would you be doing anything else other than betting with Tote? Where you can get 10% on top of your winnings for any racing bet. You do the play spot, 10% bonus. You do a win bet, place bet, 10% bonus. And you know who's going to give you the winners for the weekend? A woman who, since she joined the show, has just crushed it. It's winner after winner after winner. No pressure, Lucy Russell Hughes. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Emmett. That's very kind of you. I wouldn't go that far, but we'll see how we go. You've made me money, so I would. I, uh, my, my betting balance thanks you. And th- thanks you very great- greatly. Uh, by the way, today is Rory Delargy's birthday. Happy birthday, Rory Delargy. I would sing happy birthday. There was a time when I could sing. Um, I actually did and was in musicals, but no one wants to hear that. So we'll just go happy birthday, Rory. And uh, hopefully uh, he's able to enjoy the day. Right. Let's start at Newbury uh, and the 150, the Bet365 stakes, which is registered as the Stevenson Stakes, listed race, and uh, the betting as we record on Thursday uh, currently sees Real World as uh, your 4-1 to one favorite for Godolphin, 9-2 uh, to two about Darab, Solid Stone, who's got a very solid chance, but um, is 5s, uh, Stormy Antarctic is 8-1, to one, and uh, spoiler alert, the horse that I'm interested in, uh, Felix for Oshin Murphy and... Um, uh, Marco Body is becoming a bit of a cliff horse, uh, to be honest about it for me, but I'm, I am quite interested in him here. But more importantly, who is Lucy Russell Hughes interested in? I can see why Real World is a uh, favourite for this race. Based on that Royal Hunt Cup victory, he was so impressive that day at Royal Ascot. And he won that awful mark of um, 94. So he's gone up a lot for for that victory but you can see why because uh, I mean he was he was really impressive and fantastically campaigned by uh, Saibin Saror to come from um, well come from a campaign in Maidan earlier in the year to then um, straight into the Royal Hunt Cup and win I think that was a, a fine training performance from him and obviously a race that he targeted uh, this horse for and he's gone up um, eight pounds he's now racing off a mark of 108 in this race but to be honest, um, if you look at the top weight in this solid stone, I don't think he's he's well given his he is top weight. Um, you'd think he's the best horse in the race, but 
in my opinion, I think you could look elsewhere and I, and I can see why Real World is favourite and plenty more to come from him, him you suggest. Um, that win last time out, as I said, was so impressive. Marco Gianni was in the saddle that day, got a really good tune out of him and he's on him again. So I think at the weights, um, obviously nine stone six, Marco Gianni as well, I think Real World is the most deserving favourite of this race. So I, I will side with him. Next in the betting, more than likely, will be uh, Derab for a John and Sadie Gosden. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, last time out, ran behind St. Mark's Basilica um, at Chantilly and um, wasn't too far away, although he was eighth. Um, wasn't beat, well, he was beaten fair and square, but he was sort of running on. And that was his first. Six lengths in a classic, to be fair, and this is a, a listed race, so you, it's, a, it's a very fair point to make. Yeah, I, I think you can forgive him possibly for that run. I mean, it was his first try at the trip as well, going up from a mile um, to a mile and two, and he's got a fantastic pedigree. He's half, half brother to enable. So uh, I think he's much improved as well. He, he started off this season sort of quite keen in his races, especially um, at Newbury behind Snow Lantern, very keen that day, and then... He, he returned uh, a, a winner next time out at Newmarket, much improved, much more relaxed. So I can see why they stepped him up to a mile and two, but I do just think he he's, um, I think he's opposable in this race. I think real world is the deserved favourite and um, hopefully he can get off the mark again. The John Gosden horse definitely has displayed the potential to be a group one horse and people will go, well, it was only beaten a length and a half by Snow Lantern and was favourite that day. The The thing that concerns me is John Gosden essentially, and I'm, I am paraphrasing here, he essentially came out and said, this is the worst classic crop I've ever trained in my life. And so that makes me just very nervous about any three-year-old that John Gosden is running, particularly if that horse is a single-figure price. Um, mm. If you fancy the horse, I'm not putting you off. Um, and I think you made a, a very, very solid case for for a real world who is getting weight from horses you know there are, there are horses here who have to like um, the Gosden horses carrying the, the lowest weight in the race but Stormy Antarctic and uh, Solid Stone have to give weight to real world um, and that's a, a, a fair point I think to, to go with as well and Saeed Bin Saror is for all that we have uh, cracked a number of, of jokes about his performance um, in fact that can't be right can it how, how much money do you think Saeed Bin Saror has won in prize money this year? Well, it wouldn't probably wouldn't stretch as far as his previous seasons, I'd have thought. Have a guess. Oh, have a guess for this season? Yep. Uh, prize money. Oh, um, <laughs> I'll say sort of 500,000. No, that's quite oh. high, isn't it? Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. 251,000. Ah, oh, so quarter of a million, yeah. Charlie Appleby, I'm pretty certain, is on 2.7 million. Well, this is the thing. Charlie Appleby, of course, is the standout good old trainer, isn't he, of this time? Yeah. Uh, at, at the current time. But uh, I just thought Sidebin more than likely plotted that race at the Royal Hunt Cup for Real World. So, so if he can still. Uh, create those sort of training performances. Oh, yeah. Look, you give him the horse, he can do it. And that's kind of what the whole John Ferguson ending up getting fired thing and 
um, mm. having a pop at James Doyle publicly, which I thought was very unfair of, of Saeed Binsour. And I think the fact that James Doyle still doesn't get a leg up on a Saeed Binsour horse is just pathetic, quite frankly. But I, I like Saeed. Uh, and I, I, one of the things I really like about him is when, when he's interviewed, he speaks very openly and speaks very plainly. And um, he, he is very happy to break down uh, a race. And he's very happy to pre-race, tell you his thoughts. And oftentimes he'll tell you, oh, no, I actually think the second string's got a much better chance. And then the second string goes and wins. Um, mm. and, and the market's all wrong. So like, he, in that sense, I, I quite like him. I'm probably going to give another go to Felix. Uh, stick with me, folks. Stick with me as we as we jump over the cliff one last time. Um, so the price that we can get about Felix right now is yeah nines across the board. So he was he was tens this morning. It's a bit frustrating that he's he's gone into to nines. Um, so he was beaten in the Wolverton by four lengths at Ascot. He'd previously gone over to Maidan and and run a, an absolute monstrous race behind Lord North. Uh, to be only beaten four lengths, to be fair. Um, I just think that this is a good opportunity for him. Um, I fancy him at Ascot, and uh, he just never really seemed to travel. Um, I think he's done exceptionally well to finish as close as he did. Um, so I think this ground and... Uh, Oshin Murphy back on board again can help him, and uh, I, I would make him a pretty solid each way play. But we are bridge jumping here; we are we are very much keeping the faith. So uh, for Lucy, it is, and remember, Lucy has been crushing it with winners. So uh, I I may very well just jump and go with Lucy on this one. Uh, Real world, important to mention that Marco can't claim now, uh, so well done to him on that. But um, four to one. Four to one, about real world, uh, coming out of stall two. Uh, nine to two is the general price. And uh, Felix for the exacta with Tote. Uh, and remember, Tote plus 10% bonus uh, is currently a nine to one shot. We'll move on to the uh, 225. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because it's on the running order, Lucy. So it would make sense to talk about the next race in the running order, wouldn't it? Oh, God almighty. Um Poor Lucy had to listen to me for about five hours before we started recording, by the way, ranting about various different things. So just think about how, what a hero Lucy Russell Hughes is. Sivan, uh, you think... Well, we haven't spoken for a while, I suppose. <laughs> that's true, that's true. And um, we were putting the world to right. And <laughs> I think we kind of did. Uh, anyway, we, we, yeah, we'll look at the 225. Ziband. It's five to two, uh, nine to four in in certain places for Roger Varian and Andrea Adsini. Um Rodrigo Diaz, uh, the best price that you can get is 13 to two, but he is closing down to as short as nine to two. Uh, and again, the horse that I quite fancy here is uh, Withhold for that man, Oshin Murphy. Um, so spoiler alert in my selection. What about yourself, Lucy? Who stands out for you in the Bahrain Turf Series Handicap? I would love to see Withholds get back to winning ways, but his form would suggest he's probably not in the same um, sort of form he used to be in. I mean, if if he were to win like he did a few years ago in the Marsh Cup, where he virtually made all the running that day, um, that was off the back of the break as well. He is a horse that 
tends to run quite well off a, off a break. We know what he's done in the past as well, the races that he's won. I wouldn't put it past him, but um, I know she Murphy, obviously a, a strong do- jockey booking, but you would just have to dig dig a bit deeper to, to think he'll he'll have to rekindle quite a lot of his old form to get back to winning ways. But as I said, that that Marsh um, handi- that Marsh Cup handicap win two years ago where he made virtually all the running and stuck to the rail at Newbury shows he's obviously uh, well accustomed to the course there. And if Oshie Murphy were to ride in with those sorts of uh, um, tactics and, and that sort of run style in mind, um, yeah, I can certainly see why each way um, play for withhold would be interesting. The favourite Ziband, um, again, another deservingly favourite of this race, um, based on his his win last time out in the Northumberland uh, Vars, the consolation race for the Northumberland Plate, and he was really keen that day and um, quite slowly away, but he managed to pick up in the home straight and pick up like a really smart horse. And he's a really big, powerful, smart horse as well. He's by Sea the Stars, and his dam was a a winner over a mile and a half, so he's he's uh, yeah his win last time out. I can certainly see why he's favourite for this race, and again, sort of similar to uh, the race previous, I can see him improving again because he won by he won by a, a fair margin of that uh, Northumberland Vars last time out, and plenty to like pedigree wise, um, co- coming from a strong yard. Rodrigo Diaz uh, from David Simcott wasn't sure why. This horse particularly is of interest in the market. I think he's second in the market and had a bit of support. Um, he's step, stepping up in trip and stepping up in class. So I think he's opposable um, in this race. And similar, Paul Nichols has got a runner, uh, Scaramanga, who has far better form over hurdles. Um, you'd have to think he's being kept in training um, well, throughout the summer or, or from his last run, which was April, you'd have to think he'd been kept, kept in training. Perhaps connections divide up this this race for him. But um, I do think the favourite is, a, again, a very deserving favourite for, for Roger Vary and Andrea Azzini in the saddle. So, um, yeah, withhold, I would have a little each-way play. As you say, he's got some smart form in the book, course and distance winner. Oshin Murphy is, is a positive um, I think if you're looking for something else at a bigger price as well, perhaps Sleeping Lion, um, I think you can forgive his run last time out at Royal Ascot. He, I actually sided with him that day in the Copper Horse Stakes Handicap. And oh, he yeah. was, yeah, he, I think he was beaten quite far. He was, he was beaten from a long way out, but he wasn't given much of a chance, to be honest. I think back at two miles, I think um, he was probably a bit, a bit caught off his feet at Royal Ascot. And when you come around that bend, if you're not in a strong position, um, you're kind of sort of just chasing chasing for placings, really. So I think he can be forgiven for his his run last time out. But again... Did, didn't he kind of blow it at the start, Lucy? Yeah, he's quite a tricky horse to win with, to be honest. But he has shown some really smart form in the past. And I just think he's... Yeah, I think he's, he, he's certainly going to win again. Mm. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And I think back up to two miles, he can just sort of get into a better rhythm and and uh, hopefully not get caught off his feet this time. This is another reason why I'm saying we really should be waiting until Dave race. And it's something that Rory has been drilling in uh, to Final Furlong podcast listeners for a while as well now is 
at this point, you're better off waiting until race day. Um, because I'm, I'm looking at the, the markets here, and it's a joke. It's an, it's an, it's an absolute joke. Um, the outsider with one firm is 25 to 1. And you and I both know, Lucy, that on the day that horse is going to be 66s. Uh, but there's a number of firms. There's a there's a trio of firms who are connected who are going oh, twenty fives. That's the that's the price you can get there. And uh, look, they've they have a business model, and it's up to you to go and do it. And if you can get a guaranteed price, fair enough. But I mean, Simon Holt and I off air were actually talking about the SP system, mm. and um, he was we're we're going to talk about it on the on the show. Uh, Simon's back on again. Uh, for our Goodwood review, which uh, Lucy just reminded me is only around the corner. I was like, oh, we better get ready for that. Um, And uh, hopefully we'll have, we'll have had loads of gravy to build up the pot and then we'll smash it. Uh, But he was talking about like these phantom gambles uh, that are coming out of nowhere and how horses are constantly shortening in the market and nothing's been lengthened. And it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, or that even that the market is kind of telling you, he made reference to Dave Nevison. And I think this is a very good point. And there are people who say very critical things, but people who say critical things about me, people who say critical, critical things about Rory. Look, you can't please everybody. Um, we all just try and do our job. Uh, I think Dave is excellent, and he's really, really good. And I, I like the dynamic between him, and it's it's mostly either Rachel Casey or uh, or Tom. And um, I think Tom and, and him bounce off each other very well. But he'll just say it straight out. Like, if the money comes for Zuband, he goes, yeah, like the money's coming, and they really fancy this. The, the, the way the money is coming tells you this horse is going to run a massive race. And more often than not, he's right. And there's a reason why he sits in that chair on racing TV pretty much daily. It's because he's getting it right um, more often than not. And he's got a lot of knowledge to pass on. So it's just, it's weird. Because I remember reading an article from Tom Siegel, which said, basically, if you want to win at racing, just watch the Betfair market five minutes before a race, and it'll pretty much tell you what's going to happen. And that's almost what's happening with the SP system now. Um, mm. and obviously it's not always going to come off and that's why Simon was mentioning the phantom gambles but this is ridiculous but this is an absolute joke of a, of a market um, you know Sleeping Lion as you mentioned and we're obviously not doing this live although we've, we've discussed the possibility of doing YouTube live shows but nah uh, Sleeping Lion is, um, is being cut into 12s and was 16s this morning. Uh, Lucky Deal, best price, 33s. Lucky Deal has got Holly Doyle on board, Global Heat, 25s. Like those horses are going to be 50s, 66s on the day. They, they are going to, You and I both know that. But no, mm. the, the market right now is like, no, 25s. It's like they just don't want to stick their neck out. Um, so uh, there you go. There's, there's your rant, courtesy of... Uh, um, let's see. Ra- courtesy of our good friends at Ralph Loren. Uh, the sale is on now, 50% off, and uh, go nuts, folks, uh, and tell them Kenner sent you. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on with me today. I seem to be ranting about everything. Uh, the reason I like Withhold is um, I watch back Sandown, and he traded 
at evens in that race. And once Jason Watson knew this wasn't going to happen, he's eased them down significantly. And it's a four-runner race, and he ends up obviously finishing fourth. But the the defeat and the distance is greatly exaggerated. He's dropped to a mark of 105. That looks a nice mark. And the jockey changed to Oshin Murphy, who won on him at Newmarket in August of last year, I think is very significant. So on this occasion, while you make a very solid case, Lucy, uh, for Z-Band, and you've made a very solid case each way for uh, Sleeping Lion, I quite like mm. the fact that you're also going, I wouldn't rule out withhold, and uh, withhold will definitely be in my tote. Lucky 31, 63? We have to decide. Um, Lucy. Shall yes. We, shall we talk about jumps racing? <laughs> As you are. Yes, why not? Here we come, folks. Jumps racing is back. Back, baby! And it's live on ITV as well. Uh, hopefully on Virgin Media uh, in, in Ireland. I'm not entirely sure, but hey, we can watch it on Sky. We can actually watch ITV HD on Sky now. You, you have to do the stupid manual tuning thing and then put your pin code in each time you want to go watch it. But still, we can do it. We can get it. It's there and it's in, in glorious high definition. Uh, Captain Tomcat. Oh, this feels so weird talking about jumps racing at this time of year. Uh, so Doctor, the good doctor. Um, Dr. Richard Newland's son listens to the Final Furlong podcast and apparently uh, Dr. Richard Newland does not be does not like being called the good doctor. So apologies to Mr. Newland's son. Um, the good doctor has got Captain Tomcat as favorite who's won his last three under Sam Tristan Davis and uh, understandably is your nine to two favorite. Solomon Gray for Harry Skelton is 13 to two, uh, obviously for his brother Dan. Um, Frankie the Bully uh, for the Bowen team has been slashed in betting as well. He's uh, gone from 10. There are, there is one firm. There's two actually who are still going 10s. The rest of them are all ducking and covering, uh, going 7s. And uh, Darling Maltics? Let's go with that. Let's say it quick. Say it quickly with, uh, with, with feeling. Darling Maltics uh, is uh, an 8 to 1 shot. Um, all right. Lucy Russell Hughes. We're in the middle of the flat season. We're approaching glorious Goodwood. And uh, and the Galway Festival, to be fair, so we will be talking about jumps racing there. But for mm. for the final Furlong podcast listeners who are diehard jumps fans and greatly stay with us throughout the flat season because they like the show and we appreciate you so much and we have a mug and t-shirt competition coming up for Goodwood and Galway. And I think there's going to be a competition with Toad as well. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but it's out there now, so now Toad are going to have to do it. Uh, so who wins the Betway Summer Plate Handicap? Again, another a really deserving favourite, Captain Tom Catfield, the Dr. Dr. Richard Newland Stable, who are in really good form, and so is his horse. He's, he's coming into this race off the back of three wins, and... Uh, Sam Tristan Davis takes takes the ride as well, and he's he's in really good form himself as well. He, I think he had a treble earlier in the week. So this horse is uh, most progressive, and his last two wins, um, well, both both in novice chases. I think his first win was by eleven lengths, and then last time out he won another novice chase by twenty nine lengths. So he is 
as I say, most progressive for the yard, um, really likable horse and um, yeah, a very deserving favourite of this race. But I, I will take him on just because um, he's only won twice over fences and I think he's, well, there's, there's bound to be somewhere he's going to come up a bit short. Um, I just think at, at this stage and um, there could be a bit more value to having this race. I do like a horse called... Um, far away in this for the law morgan stable far more uh, experienced um just think he's very well handicapped this horse very experienced um he's he's won he incredibly he's won five races already this year well since the start of the year he first ran it um at Feb, in february so five winners um he's had so far and then his other two races he's finished second so his form is is really good I think he's very well off at the weights, very well handicapped horse. Um, his win last time out, he was pretty much on the bridle the whole way um, at Worcester. That was uh, a really good win over two and a half miles as well. Same trip as this race. Um, I think he's he's interesting at the prices. Um, Solomon Gray for the Dan Skelton Yard, who's third in this last year, but I just think perhaps age, eight, I say age might be catching up with him. He's only nine, but he has running some really strong races in the past and he, he needs to get back to winning ways at some point, but I don't think he's going to do it in this race. Um, so I think you can look elsewhere if you want some more value. Um, the Paul Nichols horse w- was of interest. Um, darling, darling Malte, I think. Um, oh, thank you. Well, yeah, that's, I, I've only watched one of his runs, but darling Malte, um, did win last time out and that was off the back of a wind surgery so mm. uh, obviously that's helped they often say they win second time out after wind surgery so you could probably upgrade that performance from him last time out um, for him to win um, straight away after a wind, wind um, operation but um, he, he won he started off the race he was jumping really enthusiastically actually last time out and then Harry Cobden did have to get quite serious with him towards the end uh, in that Newton Abbott contest. Um, You'd like to think there'd be more to come from him, but again, perhaps this race, you might just get a bit found out from horses that are in arguably better form. So um, if you also Lord Byron in the race as well for uh, Peter Bowen, he's actually got a couple of runs in this race. Uh, I think Lord Byron, perhaps one of the most favourite, I know he's got, he's got um, Frankie de Burley as well. Um, yeah, for James Bowen's taking the ride on him. Um, I think Lord Byron, I know he's a course and distance winner. He did win last time out, but he was incredibly well handicapped um, to win that race last time out based on the fact he hadn't won for a long time. So, um, yeah, Frankie de Burley, probably the more fancied runner of the Peter Byrne stable. Um but I do like Fire Away in this. I think he's coming into the, the race in fantastic form. And you are getting 11 to 1 with one firm. Uh, 10s across the board, though, tends to be uh, the way it is currently. Uh, after Lucy is, but this is something we've noticed. Horses are trading. They're becoming a sea of blue. Uh, because when Lucy made her debut on the show, she tipped three winners. And a second, that was like a massive prize. And uh, then you came on again, and again you crushed it. And so uh, listeners are are following you in blind, Lucy. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, what what is your is, is Fire Away going to be your main selection? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think I think he's value. Yeah. In this way, that one firm has cut him to seventeen to two. So we'll see if if Faraway ends up being a sea of blue. I suspect he will. Um, can you pronounce the Paul Nichols horse for me again, please? I think it's a silent X, a darling Malte. I think. Darling Malte. There we go. <laughs> so Paul Nichols. Uh, we talked about this in the Final Forum podcast a few years ago. He essentially went to France and just bought everything. Yeah. Everything. And um, we're actually doing a special, which I hope you'll like. It's it's uh, with a, a syndicate. Um, they're based in Ireland. And uh, the show is going to be all about them. Uh, we're going to talk about the horses they have. Uh, the horses that are are running at um, a particular festival, uh, how they acquired them, what the process is like of going in to the sales. You've been to the sales, Lucy. Mm. Which it's madness. It's chaos. I love it. It's it's mm. like it's like it's like Wolf of Wall Street being in the in the stock market. It's like blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, they were the underbidder. They were they were the 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 buyer of a horse and the underbidder was William Mullins. So they're like going, absolutely fantastic. Um, so there's a, there's a spoiler for the show, but they're going to talk about how they acquire horses, why they go for, for certain types of horses um, and uh, the, the, the model that they have in place uh, to be involved. Because I'm uh, an, very honored to be uh, an honorary member of the David Pipe Racing Club and genuinely... We have a WhatsApp group. We, um, the, I might not talk every day on there, but the team of uh, of people who are involved just get, get so invested and um, we're given so many updates by David and his team, even about the horses who are just out, in, out on grass for the summer and how they're doing and how well cared for they are. And I feel like I own each of those horses. Those horses are mine, Lucy. I own those horses. They're my colors, the black and white colors, right? It's not the David Pipe Racing Club. It's the Emmett Kennedy ownership. Uh, that's how it feels when you're part of a syndicate. And it's it's a very difficult thing to explain when it, it's not just that you've backed a horse, it's that you now have a share. You're part of something. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting talking to them about how they do it. Uh, there's also a UK syndicate. We vetted the, these people, by the way, so we're not just doing this for, for the crack. Um, who are going to come on and talk about their model. And uh, there's another one that wants to talk about an idea that they have for how they could change the model uh, and how it could possibly be improved in the UK with uh, with prize money. So there are specials that are going to come, and we really hope that you enjoy those shows. But um, I, I remember Nichols going to France and just buying everything, and this horse was probably one of them. Uh, picked up from Guy Charel. Uh, normally when you buy a horse from Guy Charel, you can... Like you would expect big things. They've had to be very, very patient. Uh, he was bought privately. Things have not really gone to plan. But he did win two in the autumn. And I've watched back his last performance several times. You can call him the winner so far out. And um, I, the official line on the Racing Post is, kept on well, ridden out. He's bolted up. He's absolutely bolted up. And yeah, Philip Hobbs' horse uh, unseated his rider at the sixth. Uh, Vizian de Flo, who was 
second favorite is a a shadow of of the horse that he once was, which is a, a real shame. But I think Darling Malate. Is that right? Did I do that right yeah. that time? Darling yeah. Malate. I think Darling Malate is the one to be on. I think Nicholas is gonna take this. And um you can get eights. So that's who I'm gonna side with. Lucy is with um Fireway for Adam Wedge and uh it's um, the Morgan team, uh, who have been banging in the winners, by the way. There's been a few winners there lately. Uh, but for me, it's uh, sticking with Paul Nichols, who has a 71% runners to form strike rate at the moment. And um, uh, that is a thing that Lucy mentioned about horses who've had a wind operation uh, winning on their second run after that. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. Right. Uh, there you go, folks. That was your that was your hit. That was your taste of uh, of jumps racing. Hope you enjoyed it. It's coming back for the Galway Festival. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to doing that show. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a, a Galway special and a Goodwood special, as per usual, on the final furlong. So, obviously, there's plenty of flat racing to, to talk about, but we'll be, we'll be discussing the jumps racing in detail on the show. And we've got a a very good guest lined up for that. So we hope that you enjoy that show. Uh, also, on Saturday, when you're betting, look, Lucy can tell you, I can tell you, but you know in your heart now at this stage where the value is because you're looking at the markets yourself. You know, you're, you are uh, a huge racing fan. You might be new to the show and we have a lot of new listeners and you're all very welcome. We're delighted to have you on board the gravy train. Hope you're enjoying it. But if you want value, it's tote. Uh, yeah, I'm biased. Of course I'm biased. But it's tote. That's where you go. Uh, there was a woman, Tina, from Somerset, did the scoop six. She won, I think it was £108,000 on the scoop six with tote plus. And she went for the bonus race on Saturday. It's almost two hundred grand. she walks away with. Right? Eight pounds so whether you're investing eight pounds 80 800 it's up to you you know whatever your stake is you want to get on you want to be treated with respect you want to have an account where they're not ringing you and saying or sending you an e worse worse sending you an email dear lucy russell hughes I regret to inform you that your account is now limited. You can continue to place bets with us, but your stake will be maxed at one pounds and five pence. By the way, you can have as much as you want in the casino games. Screw you! Tote will not do that to you. Because Tote is not only giving back to racing, but it wants to look after you and particularly the Final Forum Podcast Army. So with Tote Plus, you've got this enhanced dividend on all of Tote's racing pools. Uh, you're getting a 10% bump on all your winnings, but only with Tote. So whether you're doing a win bet, place bet, that's something that Lucy and I probably should have talked about, actually. You could easily do a place bet in that race uh, at Market Race, and there could be some interesting... Um, place market bets to be had. Uh, so if you're investing in the place market, the win market, exacta, 
Quinella, Trifecta, Placepot, Scoop Six. I can go on. You win 10% on top of your winnings. There's just a little bit of a catch here. If you're doing tote bets with an affiliate site, you are not getting tote plus. The only way that you get that 10% bonus and the only way that you get the tote SP guarantee when a firm brings in something new, they normally bin what they had before. Tote are like, nah, we are giving money away. Here, just, they're like Netflix. Lucy has an idea. Lucy, pitch me an idea for a TV show. Quick. TV show? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, Emmett. I'm sorry, I've got my racing brain on. That's okay. A racing show? Here, money. There you go. Go make it. <laughs> That's Netflix, right? They just throw money away. Tote are like that for you, right? They're looking out for you, and they're also reinvesting in horse racing as well, which, of course, is vital, particularly this time. But you're getting the Tote SP guarantee. So if for some reason Tote are under the price of the horse that goes and wins, don't worry about it. They'll match it for you with the SP guarantee. And you get that 10% bump. But you're not getting that with an affiliate. Uh, you're not getting it at the race course windows, folks. I think I tried to make this as clear as I could. This is available only at Tote .co.uk, tote.ie, or the official Tote app. Full terms and conditions are available online, begambleaware.org, 18 plus, obviously. And go nuts. Do your lucky 31, do your lucky 63, gamble responsibly, obviously, and all that malarkey. But just look at Tote. Look at the massive rollovers in the pools. Look at what's available there. Look at when the world pool is in action. You know more about the horses running in the UK and Ireland than punters, with the greatest of respect, in Hong Kong and America, uh, unless you're going up against Peter Fornatel, uh, Australia, France, you have a better grip on the form than, than they do. And that markets get just super injected. So there's so much liquidity there. Get involved and get that 10% bonus, but it's only available. Tote Plus at tote.co.uk tote.ie, or the official Tote app. I think I've made my point on that one. Three o'clock, Newbury, as we return to the flat. Sorry, jump fans. Uh, so this is the Hackwood Stakes. It's group three, and the Queen has the favourite, Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding, uh, with Kings Lynn, uh, who is currently best price 11 to 4, but that is not holding up Lucy. It is coming under a lot of pressure, and the horse is coming down to 9 to 4. Diligent Harry is a best price 3 to 1. Tadid is 100 to 30, and uh, Happy Romance and Royal Crusade are similar prices, 8 to 1, and with certain firms, 10 to 1 each of two. There's a, a couple of outsiders who are 12 to 1. Come on, these horses are going to be bigger prices on the day as well. Jesus Christ. All right, the uh, the group three. Lucy, tell us. Crush this for us. <laughs> it's an incredibly uh, tight contest, this, this Hackwood States group three. Um, very, very uh, tightly knit these horses. Diligent Harry will be my selection. He was my selection to Royal Ascot. Obviously, he was pulled out of the uh, Commonwealth Cup Mm. Um, because of the ground we all know what happened on that Friday the rain just came and then um, yeah he's he's run since um, at Newmarket um, sorry Newcastle on your weather on Northumberland Plate Day 
and was very, very keen uh, in that race. And I think in the chip chase race, and I think he can be forgiven given the fact he had no cover. Um, he was virtually made all the running and was just caught um, out by the eventual winner who was Chill Chill. He wasn't beaten too far. I just think Adam Kirby back on board. He's a horse I've always liked and he's going to get a win at some point on the turf. And um, he's a horse Clive Cox has thought um, hugely of and hopefully he can. this can be his first win on turf, Diligent Harry. I think he's a really smart individual. As I say, his run last time can be ignored. He was um, going to run at Royal Ascot in the Group 1 Commonwealth Cup. So that's the sort of... Um, that's the sort of ability Clive Cox thinks this horse has. So I think he's, um, yeah, I think the, the money's come from for him as well, which supports mm. my case. So a lot of people must be thinking the same thing as me. So that always helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think Kings Lynn, like you say, um, those two probably will be um, battling it out to be favourite by the looks of it in this race. I think he's quite, quite a hard, hard horse to sort of... Um, gauge whether he's going to be on song on on the day and he obviously ran twice at Royal Ascot so he's going to have to come back from both those runs as well um he's sort of been pitched in at sort of six furlongs and five furlongs and to be honest I still don't know what his ideal trip is he's that sort of horse quite hard to work out um in my opinion but and as I say he's, he's coming off the back of um well it's a good, quite a good run at in the Wokingham over six furlongs. And and I just think Ascot, six furlongs, well, Ascot is quite a stiff track anyway. So mm. six furlongs and sort of the incline, it's very small incline, but sort of running on the up the hill at Ascot, it's quite a stiff six furlongs. So still sort of scratching my head a bit as, as to what trip um, is his ideal trip because he won at over five furlongs earlier in the season as well. That was at Haydock and that was in good soft ground and I always think the ground at Haydock is in, in always incredibly on the soft side so oh, you need a submarine I, to get through it sometimes Jesus yeah. no offence <laughs> Haydock but come on <laughs> he he's a very smart horse don't get me wrong and always runs his race but I, I do think there's others in this who are far more um, sort of likely to win and Diligent Harry will be my pick I think I think Tab Deed obviously won this race last season, mm -hmm. um, perhaps was in better form then. I mean, he's coming into this race of a similar campaign, having um, he actually he ran in that same race as Diligent Harry. He ran the chip chase as well. So he was fourth. Didn't really show um, too much that day. Perhaps he'll come on for the run. Um, Tab Deed, incredibly likely race for a six-year-old as well. I do wish we'd seen a bit more of him, but I think that's the sort of... Um, Shadwell operation they don't really tend to over race their horses absolutely no problem but um, I think at the weights as well I think Diligent Harry's far far more superior at the weights don't I don't think you should rule out Happy Romance either I think she's always overlooked um, Happy Romance is, she's returning uh, to the track that she obviously won a super sprint at last season and um I th she, obviously she finished off her two-year-old campaign in fantastic form um, perhaps this season has been caught out a bit but she has had to sort of race over uh, again trips we don't really know she sort of ran over seven furlongs and then she she's um, finished well her last run was over five furlongs so I really don't think she should be overlooked I think she's 
got some smart form in the book. She's a winner already this season. Um, as I say, pitched in at, um, in the Fred Darling Stakes over six furlongs at the start of the season. And then her last run, last time out, was in the Coral Charger with five furlongs. So she probably doesn't know sort of whether she's coming or going. And to be fair, her always runs her race. So I, I certainly don't think she should be overlooked. Um, perhaps if you're wanting to side with something, if she's going to go off a bigger price on the day. I think that's a really good shout to make. And she is very often uh, Happy Romance, just completely ignored in, in the betting for whatever reason. And if you're like me and you like doing your exactas and trifectas, then Happy Romance is definitely a horse to be uh, taking a, a keen interest in, and particularly by Dandy Man, uh, who we know does, does so well with sprinters. Interestingly enough, Happy Romance is, is entered in the Batash race at Goodwood, uh, the Goodwood King George Qatar stakes where Batash normally goes off a million miles an hour. I don't think that's going to happen this year, by the way, but that's still to come. Anyway, uh, she has entries there, but the, the horses that you were talking about before, Diligent Harry, is Diligent Harry your, your overall selection? Yeah, he's my overall selection. Okay, so Diligent Harry's next engagement is potentially uh, at the Curra in the Phoenix Sprint Stakes. Uh, always a great day, by the way, if you can make it to the Curra, if things are okay. I got an email from them the other day saying that they're they're selling tickets again, which is fantastic. So if you can go, um, get out, and hopefully the sun is shining. Uh, and then her next two engagements are the, the Haydock Sprint Cup um, Group 1, which she's a massive price for. Uh, why am I saying she? What the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm giving this sort of gender reassignment. Uh, he <laughs> is entered in... Maybe... Maybe... No. Uh, he is entered for that and is a massive prize. But interestingly enough, Clive Cox has also entered the horse at the Curra. Um, by due diligence, who didn't really cut the mustard at Coolmore and will probably be... will be doing a, a, a Bloodstock special on the show soon. I know I said that before, but we are... And um, due diligence is now standing, uh, I think, in the UK. Yes, uh, Whitsbury Manor stud for six thousand pounds. But he was a he was a, a five furlong winner as a juvenile and a, a very high class sprinter in in Europe, particularly. Frayden O'Brien finishing second in the Diamond Jubilee. Um, but my question for you, Lucy Russell Hughes, is: all of this horse's form is on the all weather. That's not a problem going to Ascot, because we know that sand form translates very well uh, to Ascot, for whatever reason. But absolute, 100% the right decision to withdraw the horse on the day. There is no way that that surface would have suited. And um, I think Dragon Symbol did amazingly well to run the race he did in the, in the July Cup after having that hard race. So, and I'm not overly concerned about the defeat at, at Newcastle either, I think probably just, you know, he was very, very weak in the betting. I think they just wanted to get a run into him. Um, but is he going to take to to this? Is, is that a, a worry in the back of your mind that you're now at Newbury and it's good to soft? How do you feel he'll act on, on good to soft ground, on, on turf? Yeah, I, I think people will be picking holes um, in Diligent Harry based on the fact he hasn't stepped foot on turf yeah, but he's going to have to at some point. And I do think um, Clive Cox isn't the sort of trainer 
um, that would pitch him into these sort of level of races if he didn't think he had any sort of chance. As you mentioned, the entries he's got a sort of group one standard. Mm. And it just makes you think, blimey, he hasn't even um, run on the turf yet, let alone win. So um, I do, he's had, to be to be honest, he has had the races he's had, he's had to win sort of getting quite tough. He hasn't had an easy race in any of his races by any means. If you look back at his Lingfield form, he's had to come around the, around the bend at Lingfield and quicken off the bend and... He's had to come through horses. He's had to come through traffic problems. And as I mentioned, his, ra- his race last time out at Newcastle, he had no cover whatsoever. I just yeah. think Adam Kirby, Adam Kirby back on board, if he gets some cover in this race, I know it's, it's quite a, a small field, but the experience that Adam Kirby has, I mean, we, we all know he's just such a horseman. Um, I just, yeah, the connections, the Clive Cox and the Adam Kirby connections, um, being a sprinter, it's um, it's a home track as well. Clive has had a lot of success um, at Newbury in the past. Well, in recent times as well, he had a two-year-old winner first time out at Newbury just a couple of days ago last week, I think. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's really smart. I I think the way Clive Cox has spoken about him mm. and how. I can't ignore. I can't ignore the fact, like you say, the entries he's got, and the way Clive has spoken about him. Yeah. Um. He must. He must be showing plenty at home. They do work on the grass at, at Clive's as well. He has a grass gallop, so um, that wouldn't be. I'd be more concerned if he's a trainer that just trains on your weather. But he does. He does have grass gallops that he uses quite often. That is very useful information for us to have, by the way. Um, yeah. Because sometimes you need that peep behind the curtain. So he is getting grass experience. So when he's training at home, and he's yeah. al- he's always been a short prize. Like he didn't race as a juvenile. Um, he was he made his debut at Wolverhampton. He was six to four. He's like a million to one on for his second race. Uh, but he's two to one favorite. Two to one favorite next time out. That's one of the reasons why I, I talk about his his last run, um, and I know that there's there's a couple of also runs from the July Cup in there, but the fact that he was nine to two, and then look, you can make an argument that well, come on, Kenners, that was a that was a, a strong race. I just think you know, he he I think he opened fours. Um, he just seemed to be a negative on the day. I think they just wanted to get a run into him, and 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 as you said, things did not go to plan at all. There's just, I really fear this horse, and and I fear him even more now. Hearing the the confidence that you have in his ability to switch to turf, um, and and I think you make some some very very great great points there. But I would be a total hypocrite to come on this show and uh, and not talk about Kings Lynn because when we previewed the Saturday of Royal Ascot, I'm trying to remember who the team was. Was it Andrew Blair White and and Rory? And uh, we talked about Kingsland's race um, at, at Ascot, and obviously he'd run in the King stand. Uh, nothing went right for him that day. Uh, he's done extremely well to finish three and a quarter lengths behind Oxted. He's just it's just he's been denied a clear run things have not gone to plan um i think oshin talked about it actually on the final furlong that, that just 
keep an eye on him. He's an, he's an interesting horse. Um, and what intrigues me about Kings Lynn is that on the back of this run, so he then went to, obviously, he then went to, oh no, uh, they ran him in the Wokingham. And um, that's why I was mentioning Andrew and, and Rory. The three of us were like, okay, so who do you think, I went, who, right, Andrew Blair White, who wins this? Uh, very simple, Kings Lynn. And I go, oh, okay. well, that's that. One of the most competitive handicaps of the year, blown open, Rory. Nothing else to say, Kings Lynn wins. Good thing. And I'm like, that's what I'd written down. I'd written down good thing. And uh, especially with Ryan Moore booked, I can't, I can't wait. And it was a disaster. It was a nightmare. I hate horror films. <laughs> Lucy, I don't like horror films. I don't watch them. All right. There's just, I don't know why. There's something about it. I just don't watch them. Um, I will be very excited to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and have the horror in that. That's fine. But if you said, oh, let's go see a film. Like, oh, yeah, grand. Okay, fair enough. And a horror film, I'm like, uh, gotta go wash what's left of my hair. Um, like making excuses. And again, things went wrong for him. You know, he, he didn't have a clear run in the King stand and he was well in the weights in, in, the, in this race, but again, he didn't get the clearest of runs. And his entries, and this is what intrigues me, is he's in the Coolmore, and, and this is significant, and obviously after the passing of uh, Galileo, Coolmore needs to ramp this up. Um, and Simon and I spoke about Galileo, by the way, on, on the last podcast, if you didn't listen to that, uh, Simon Holt and I reviewing the weekend's action. Uh, it's the Coolmore Wooden Bassett, Nunthorpe Stakes. Normally, it's the Coolmore Nunthorpe Stakes. That's it. They don't mention a stallion. So the fact that they're mentioning Wooden Bassett just tells you, you know, come and take your mirror to him. Um, group one. The other race that Kings Lynn has entered in is the Betfair Sprint Cup at Haydock. Another group one. And he's eight to one for the race at York, and he's 16s for the race at, um, at Haydock. And I can't get away from him, Lucy. I've tried. I've really tried because it's a boring selection to go nine to four. But Oshin back on board. Oshin has won on him before. And uh, talk me off the ledge here. Like, like talk me off why I shouldn't back him. Because you're very confident about Diligent Harry. But I just, I think that there is, I think this is a horse that is capable of, of being a, really, really high-class sprinter. Yeah, he didn't have his um, passage, did he, in the Wokingham? I don't know. I just think he's quite... He He's almost built like he should be running over further. Um, he's not your out-and-out sort of <clears throat> um, sprinter-type compact horse. He's very um, sort of long and leggy individual. Um, and he won, obviously... We won at Haydock this this season. That was over five furlongs. Um, yeah, you make a strong case for him, but at the weights, I do like um, diligent Harry. I think he can progress. I just think probably last season King Glynn let me down. And that's probably that's probably all I'd say. It just is. Isn't it amazing how that just stays in your mind? You're like, yeah, I got burned by you too many times. It's like a relationship that broke up <laughs> and and then they come back 
And they're, they're like, oh, hey, oh, I didn't know you'd be here. And you're like, what do you want? And you're like, nah, this ain't going to work. I don't, I, I, I've been down this road. Don't even try. Um, so, yeah, I, I respect that. Okay, so Diligent Harry for Lucy. It's Kingsland for you, me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You might prove me wrong, Emmett. It remains to be seen. I suspect that uh, it's going to be Lucy Russell Hughes in the winner's enclosure here again. But I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off the cliff again. I'm, I'm going with Felix, and I'm jumping off the cliff with Kings Lynn. Help! Help! There's no stopping me. Uh, anyway, so we'll see if if the Queen can have a winner. Uh, Three o'clock live on ITV and of course Racing TV as well. Uh, Kings Lynn versus Diligent Harry, Lucy Russell Hughes versus Emmett Kennedy. Two people enter, one person leaves, and uh, Lucy will be here on Monday show to review it all. So we'll be able to go either ha um, as Iolana does in Black Widow. Sorry, the MCU references are coming back. Um, some listeners love that. Some are like, oh, for God's sake, stop it. Um, you know that Rishi is going to come back on the show after the Olympics and just talk about the MCU. He's just going to talk about Marvel, and that's it. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to do a, a full final Farland podcast on the on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's it, as soon as he's uh, done with Tokyo. Uh, right, the Super Sprint. Do you even want, by the way, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, that's why I went quiet. Oh, my you. God. Oh, my God. Lucy, we have to have a conversation off air. All right. The 340 <laughs> at uh, Newbury. Again, live on ITV. Hopefully, Virgin Media as well uh, in Ireland. And, uh, of course, Racing TV. Um, so, Chipotle. Lucy? Is that right? Yes. Oh, thank God. Uh, is your favorite and a strong favorite uh, at 2 to 1. This is the give it its proper title, uh, especially with Weatherby's taking out commercials on the Final Four podcast again very, very soon. Uh, Weatherby's Super Sprint Stakes, uh, five furlongs, the 340. So Chipotle is your 2-1 to one favorite. Uh, Vintage Clarets, though, has been closing, 5-2. to two. Uh, Gubas, a terrible name for a horse. Sixes, sorry, owners. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Demola, you can get 12s, but really... What a mess. Uh, 12s, 11s, 10s, 7s. Jesus. And uh, uh, who cares? Uh, right, Lucy, um, th- that market has just made me go, who? Uh, this is a proper, proper contest. And I can't get away from the favorite, um, which is quite a boring selection. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, like you say, I think, to be honest, um, the race with the top two in the market is probably how it's going to look with vintage clarets and, um, well, Chipotle probably will go our favourite vintage clarets, not too far behind. I do think between those two in, in this super sprint, which is a shame because in previous years we've had um, two-year-olds, I'd say, coming into it um, with a bit more substance or a bit more winning form behind them. Yeah, that's um, I just think it looks a two-horse race in a big field, which is, is a shame. But um, my selection will be Vintage Carrots based on his Royal Ascot performance. I know Chipotle won at Royal Ascot as well. Um, so the pair of them, um, really strong credentials to um, win this super sprint. Um, I thought Vintage Carrots' run was was really good in the, in the group two. 
uh, Coventry states oh, that was over six furlongs, so he will be stepping, uh, dropping back in trips, sorry, to five furlongs for this super sprint. But given Richard Fahey's record in this race, I don't think that that should be any problem. He was a winner at Air earlier in the season as well. That was over five furlongs. That was on good firm ground, so plenty of speed um, on, on his side. He's a son of our dad as well, who I think our dad is, is proven to be possibly one of the... Um, best young side of sprinters we've seen I think he's the leading leading sire of two-year-olds in his first season which is which is quite staggering he, um, he had a fantastic he was actually yeah. sorry to to very rudely cut across you Lucy but uh clang name drop Oshin Murphy um basically now a member of the Final Forum podcast squad essentially uh when I asked him for a stallion to follow at Royal Ascot instantly he said our dad he just well, injects so much pace into his progeny. Yeah, and I think breeders. I, well, to be honest, I think his fee at the moment, whatever his fee is, is going to be is going to be um, doubled, if not tripled. Probably, you'd think. Um, he's he's the leading sire um, of two-year-old sprinters in his first season, so that's that's quite um, that's quite good in, in its own respect. And he had a fantastic Royal Ascot. Obviously, he sired. Um, Perfect Power, who was a Norfolk winner mm-hmm. um, for Richard Barhe. And then obviously he's got this this um, vintage carrots as well, who I think at the weights um, is better off in this race. He's got Paul Hannigan on board, given Richard Farhey's record in this race. Um, I will be siding with vintage carrots. But um, Chipotle, of course, was um, was a Brockwoodsby winner as well, first time out all, all those months ago in March. Oh, um, way back in the day. <laughs> which seems an age away so um eve johnson horton's got a really smart horse in her hands um chipotle's done nothing but improve since then i mean he was beaten at sandown but i think charlie bishop said you can pretty much forgive him for that run um when he got beaten in the sandown race before he went on to win um the windsor castle at royal ascot so those two by far the standout um, runners in this race and i think you'll be searching for um value elsewhere for sort of horses picking up the pieces perhaps um i mean gubas for richard hannon one first time out at leicester and leicester's a track that's not easy to win at let alone first time out so he could be perhaps um another horse aside with if you're looking for something each way the rest of the run is quite hard to sort of gauge what running they're going to give you based on their form there's a couple of winners um further down the list but but not much. Uh, this race is described actually by Richard Fahey, who, as you said, has a fantastic record in it as the working man's race. And I guess the point there is that it gives you a chance to win a, a big race on a big day um, with not necessarily massively expensive horses. Uh, I hope you don't mind me throwing this at you all of a sudden, but you, you've you done work with Richard Fahey, and I think you, you still do. Um what is it about Richard and this race and and the type of horse that he trains? Because we mentioned uh, Clive Cox earlier on and not to pigeonhole him, but the first first word that comes to mind when I say Clive Cox is sprinter and he's just exceptional at training them. It's not the only type of horse that he can train, but he's just, for some reason, he has a knack with sprinters. Um, mm. Richard Fahey is... I think exceptionally, and we've had Richard on the show in the past, I think he's exceptionally good at placing his horses and finding the right race for them. And uh, watching back the Coventry, 
definitely a case to be made that Dabab was um, uh, very badly hampered on, on that occasion and uh, we saw him run a, a fine race on Saturday. So the, the form of that race has been franked to a certain extent. Um, and you flip-flop me here. It's another Kennedy flip-flop. Uh, I'm done with Chipotle and I'm, I'm sticking with you. I'm going with, uh, with Vintage Clarets. Uh, partly because of the argument you've made for him, but also the fact that he's by our dad, but just inside the mindset of Richard Fahey and this being the working man's race, as they call it, it's uh, it's worth 98 grand uh, to the winner. Um, what is it about Richard and, and these kind of horses that he succeeds so well with? I think with a two-year-old, especially Richard, uh, just tends to keep their regime very, very straightforward. I mean, they go up the gallops every day, obviously, like, most trainers um apart from sunday um so six days five or six days a week but just incredibly straightforward i think i've told people in the past richard Fye's yard they don't tend to uh, very similar to aiden o'brien actually i know aiden o'brien's a master at training middle distance horses but richard Fye more so the sprinters he keeps the horses incredibly straightforward they don't have any sort of gadgets or any special equipment every horse is treated the same whether they're a group horse or a handicapper or uh, just a two-year-old starting out. So I think with that mindset, um, the two-year-olds just seem to flourish at Richard's Yard. Um, I dare say the pace is probably quicker. They, they probably ride the horses a lot quicker because they have 200 horses to ride. The staff... Um, that 200? Are well, he's he would have 200 horses on the books, but perhaps training 150 horses. Okay. Um, Whoa. So, I, yeah, and if you're using a six burn on gallop, um, you know the staff is sort of bearing in mind they've got a lot of horses to ride. You're not going to be um, hanging about, and I think um, the sort of pace angle is sort of injected um, into these two year olds straight away at Richards, and um, it it shows that on the track. Uh, what's it like working there? Oh, great fun. I, I'm, I haven't ridden out this season, but the last few seasons I've ridden out, it's great fun. Everybody, um, it's a real team effort. Nobody's sort of left to their own devices. You all work the gallop at the same time. There's not somebody um, sort of working your horse at a different time or everybody goes up as a group. So it, and it makes the horses more relaxed as well. I think sometimes if, um, probably in small yards, if you have one horse going off to, to work on its own or exercise on its own, it can sort of stress out the other horses. Whereas at Richards, again, I say just incredibly straightforward. Everybody just um, goes up in a group and you all sort of seem like you're on the same play, playing field. We're just, you know, we're riding against jockeys like Paul Hannigan um, and obviously top jockeys and everybody just goes the same um, the same route and the same um, exercise every day and it's a real team effort so nobody feels left out. So it must be an incredible experience because having been blessed enough to be at stables like Jim Bulger's and Willie Mullins and uh, Gordon Elliott's or slash Denise Foster's uh, at the moment but Gordon will be back pretty soon Um and, uh, and and Paul Nichols uh, as well in, in the UK to get to, to be there and just see horses 
work in the morning and you know going back to when Ruby Walsh was first jockey but you know now Paul Townend uh, Patrick Mullins and then um Emmett uh who would have been doing some writing out at at the time when Ruby was there uh Danny of course and and David who still does a bit of that and then the rest of the team that you don't really hear about and and that's the thing that fascinates me about racing to a certain extent is that uh vintage clarets wins at the weekend and okay you haven't ridden out this season but you don't hear about necessarily you don't hear about lucy and and the work that that lucy put in particularly to that horse maybe on the gallops um clang name drop again oshin was was making reference to alcohol free and um this was uh, after she won at Royal Ascot and just what a nightmare she is to ride. And uh, the woman who looks after her, uh, he turned to Jeff Smith one day and said, you need to pay her double for riding out alcohol-free because once she gets down to the end of the gallop, uh, there's a little turn at Andrew Baldings and she just re- every single time rears up and tries to throw the jockey off. And uh, it's just she's just a nightmare of a horse, essentially. A very extremely talented, but an absolute nightmare. And um, I just wonder who was the who was the most high profile horse you rode out for uh, at, at Richard Fay's? Oh, one that I one that I've ridden. Mm. Oh, he did have a runner in the Queen Mary um, that I rode a few years ago, um, and that just showed you Richard would would trust his staff to ride um, that caliber of horses. I can't remember what her name was, but she ran, she won at York actually, Oshin Murphy rode her. Um, and then she ran in the Queen Mary <clears throat> either before or after, I can't remember. Um, but she was, she was smart. I think she might be at stud now. Well, the only reason that you were on board is because you're talented at what you do. And you're good enough uh, to to do it. That's why you're being trusted with that role. So, uh, and that's why we love getting your insight on the final furlong. It's the same with Kate as well. You know, Kate riding out for Tom George. Obviously, that's jumps racing. You and your association with Richard Fahey, both of you are looking after racehorses, um, and you're retraining a racehorse currently, uh, an ex an ex racehorse, which actually we'll come to in a second, but. Um, that just gives you another insight into how Lucy knows so much about the game. And um, uh, while she may not have ridden out for Richard Fahey this season because of COVID, damn COVID, uh, I flip-flopped entirely. Our dad is the sire to follow. Uh, vintage Clarets is 5-2. to two. And I predict Vintage Clarets goes off favourite. There you go. Boom. Lucy's going to move the market. Uh, the Curra, Lucy. So the Judmont Irish Oaks obviously takes... Uh, is going to be the, the star race of the weekend. It's also a non-betting affair, essentially, uh, unless you want to get involved in the place market. And even that is sort of restricted to a certain extent because we're we're on the dead eight right now. Oof. What's the betting? Something comes out to spoil the party. Oh, Jesus. Um, look, we've got Snowfall. And um, a very happy to after time that we tipped her on the final front podcast uh we weren't having it with santa barbara we didn't believe and uh, i liked chris cook's article in the racing post during the week you might have got the email um what do you mean it's too late as uh as santa barbara and 
Bolshoi Ballet win classics um, uh, by going over and winning in Belmont. And, and well done to the O'Brien team for doing so. But Snowfall was... I thought she was brilliant at York. And the reason I liked her so much for the Oaks was... And I could completely understand why Ryan went for Santa Barbara, um, you know, a horse that's that's talked about as in-depth as as they have with her is very, very difficult to get away from. And it's going to be interesting to see what she does when she comes back to Europe and where they place her. Um, but it's Frankie's benefit. And Ryan gave an interview to Lydia Hislop on Racing TV after winning the Misadora. And, uh, you know, she was a big price that day. And so a lot of people were trying to dismiss it and go, well, well her juvenile form was rubbish. And he explained that she's a deep impact filly um, out of best in the world, which makes her a relation of found. And uh, he just said that she was very backward. And Aiden has been on the show several times and very kindly last year, Aiden O'Brien explained, he gave us an exclusive, that there was a problem with their two-year-olds. That because of COVID and because of the shutdown, they Royal Ascot is really important to them. It's very, very important to Coolmore. And, and that's why they send so many juveniles there. They want their juveniles to go there. But they had to rev them up at home. And it meant that even the ones that didn't go were being revved up and were then being... You know, Irish racing returned a week later than the UK... Good job, Ireland. Jesus Christ. Anyway, that meant that they had to just basically flood maidens in order to qualify and try and get horses in. And Battleground was the only one who won. And some of them just regressed badly after that. And some of them got sick. And uh, they thought an awful lot of her last year. And she was just backward. And he explained this in depth with Lydia. And, and he said, uh, that's not a fluke what she's just done and you don't need to, because Lydia was writing, was, was asking her as she always does asking the right questions. Do you have to ride her from the front? And he said, no, we thought a lot of her last year. We thought the world of her, we, that's why she ran in the races she ran in. Um, but you could write, you could hold her up. You can ride her in midfield. You can ride her from the front. Today was a day to do that because it just benefited her. But don't think for one second that that's the only way to do it. And what we saw at Epsom, I mean, I thought Enable and that victory against Rhododendron with the thunder and lightning in the background, I think you were there actually for, for ITV that day. It was just so surreal and it was just this amazing performance. And then Snowfall comes along and wins by 16 lengths with Frankie saying, I, by the way, I could have won by more. Uh, it's a record-breaking <laughs> success. Uh, you know, she wins ease down by 16 lengths. She's a superstar, and I'm delighted that people will be able to go to the Curra and see her, and I really hope that's what happens. I hope that uh, Final Forum Podcast listeners based in Ireland, what's up? Virtual high five. Um, that if you have the opportunity to go, that you do, but if you can't, that you're watching ITV or you're watching racing TV and uh, that you're getting to see this horse because she's going to crush this lot. She's just going to destroy it. And it's just going to be, you know, people will, will say, ah, it's a non-betting race. Lucy, you and I are, are big racing fans, and the vast majority of listeners to this show are, first and foremost, racing fans. Secondly, betters. And this is a race where, look, if we can find something in the market that we can back to place, 
I'm all over that. Happy days. But this is really a race to just sit back and watch Snowfall go and strut her stuff and do her thing. Absolutely. She's unbelievable at Epsom, wasn't she? I think we had a discussion, Emmett. She obviously um, now holds the record for the um, biggest winning margin of an oak. So that just says it all. I think um, Frank is quite right. Isn't it the biggest winning margin of a classic in the UK? Oh, more than likely, I'd have thought. I think it is. Yeah. I mean, she's just uh, improved an enormous amount from her win in the Musadora Stakes at York. And and to be honest, I wasn't actually surprised given the way she won that day at York. She won going away at the line. She won with her ears pricked. She didn't even have a hard race. So mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised at all for her to come on um, leaps and bounds at Epsom. But to win in, the, in that sort of fashion, I think everybody was blown away, to be honest. And I think even Frankie, uh, he looked uh, somewhat <laughs> shell-shocked after the line. Um, I think Frankie just, was just going, this is great. Mother Earth on the 1,000 guineas, yeah. Snowfall in the Oaks, Aidan O'Brien, like, I love you. I, I think that's what Frankie was thinking to himself. He's just like, this is great. I love it. Ryan, keep picking those other horses. This is brilliant. It says a lot about him as well, Frankie. Like you say, Mother Earth, Snowfall, obviously he had, has that or had that fantastic relationship with Enable. He's just such a master. I think he's, He's very quiet on these horses, which suits mm. fillies especially. Um, he, he, can, he can afford to be that sort of rider because he is just the world's best. He can afford to sit quiet and patient because he knows he's on the best horses. And, and um, that's, that's the case with these fillies as well. And Snowfall, um, as you say, this is certainly a race to savour and just sit back and enjoy. And you'd hope she she produced those sort of um, the goods again. I, th- I think she will, but to be honest, looking at, um, I think Mother Earth, obviously Mother Earth has run well as well since her Guineas win. Um, we've had Hurricane Lane come out and win um, just just recently in France. Yeah. So the classic, the classic horses are proven to be, well, the classic winners are proven to be classic horses. They're good horses and we just want, want that to continue. St. Mark's um, Basilica? I thought, as some asked Basilica, exactly. They're all classic horses that are just getting better and better. And I do think um, divinely, I thought she might have run better at Royal Ascot, to be honest, because if you watch her run back um, in the Oaks behind Snowfall, she had she had no luck in running. And I thought, um, oh, I thought she'd be the horse to take from the Oaks if you were to take anything else but Snowfall. I thought divinely didn't have um, a clear passage at all. And I thought she was held back um she, she, yeah, she just had no running at all in the Oaks. So I thought, I thought she might have given us a better showing at Royal Ascot, to be honest, uh, divinely. So she, she'll be a filly, I'm sure, that will win um, again, not too um, in the not too distant future. But Snowfall, um, nice that Ryan Moore can get back on this filly as well. Yeah, I'd say he was. I, it's a, it's a difficult job, and based on what Aiden has said on the Final Forum podcast, they don't push him. They leave it up to him to decide. Um, I suspect that there are times, like last year, he he was jocked up on Japan, who, as Lucy and I are recording, is going to be running tonight at uh, Leopardstown over a, a distance that he hasn't run over 
since he was a juvenile. So that's going to be an interesting one to see. Uh, I, I genuinely hope he wins, to be honest about it. Um, but Sinewan is in there as well. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't place a bet. Anyway, uh, like Aiden has said that it's essentially on the Thursday, if it's a Saturday race, Ryan will then say, okay, I'm going to ride this horse. And Aiden might push him in the direction and go, uh, you haven't, listen, since you were last at Ballet Doyle, you know, this horse is showing a bit of work. You might want to, you might want to switch to Snowfall. And you go, no, 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 I'll go with Santa Barbara. Um, and the only time that changes is if they need him, they require him for America. If they say, look, we want you on Mendelssohn in the Kentucky Derby. We want you out there on that horse, which meant he missed the guineas and Dunnick ends up winning it on, was it Saxon Warrior he won it on? Uh, or Magna Grecia, one, one or the other. Um, but when you look at the the ratings of this race, she's 120. The nearest tour is nicest for Dunnica on 105. And uh, nobody wants to take her on except for Coolmore. Um, we've got Gerlines, who won the race last year, uh, for Coolmore, actually with Party House. Uh, we've got uh, Joseph O'Brien has a horse for uh, Ballygallan Stud. And uh, the Stack team and Chris Hayes have one for, uh, surprise, surprise, Mrs. John Magner um, with, uh, with uh, Kate and Park Stud. So that would be a, a full share with Galileo, um, the poor late great Galileo. Um, essentially, in, the, in recent years, when you, when you bred to Galileo, you were essentially paying something in the region of half a million. And Coolmore also retained the option to have half of that horse. So... Uh, they, they're, you know, Sue Magner is, is involved in a handful of summers who you know, is a 66 to one shot as we record. Um, the horse that it's interesting to hear you mention divinely, the horse that I thought was interesting was Willow. Uh, and I was very pleased and also at the same time, extremely pissed off at myself that I had been so focused on recording that I missed the racing post tracker telling me, Willow runs today, and she's 11-2, to because I'd backed her who knows how many times and mentioned her so many times in the Final Front podcast. I was like, oh, no! Um, and I just think there's a bit there. Like, out of Peeping Fawn by American Pharaoh, I'd like to think she could run a big race. but um, And I kind of think she should be much shorter than nicest. I, I, I'm not nicest ran a big race at Royal Ascot and I actually I can't remember if you were on the show or not um, for that show but she was my bet in that race uh, she was 66 to 1 at the time it was the Ribblesdale and um, there was a red hot favourite for the stout team Noon Star and I went uh, I think nicest has got more to come but I don't know if I want to back her at a single figure price against Snowfall when this race could be running who knows how like if Divinely goes off and makes all the running then you're kind of goosed and I just think Willow, they'll ride to try and finish second. I think they'll, they'll go, we can't beat Snowfall, but we could finish second here. So uh, she's probably the place better the each way bet in, in the race. But you don't have to get involved financially. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy it. And um, who would you go for as your place bet? Is it going to be Divinely? It will be Divinely. I thought she'd run better than... She did at Royal Ascot, so I, I do think she's got a win not too far away, but obviously it's not going to be in this race. Um, and I think, like you say, nicest. I think she's 
probably that price based on what Donica's how he's spoken about her, to be honest. Yeah, that's true too. Donica's spoken very, very highly of my sister. Yeah, he that's, really likes her. That's a good point. And said she was in the form of her life going into Royal Ascot too. And look, she she did run a career best, but I, I, I come back to Willow. I come back to Willow. Just the 40 links she was beaten in the Oaks by Snowfall. But winning last time out enlisted company in actually the Oaks trial at Nace. I'm going to go at Willow as an each way play or probably just a straight place bet on tote because Snowfall wins. There's a couple of other races at the Curra. We have the Anglesey Stakes. I'll just mention this very, very briefly because the entertainer runs and Ryan Moore is on board. And last time out was sent off a 20 to 1 shot and was beaten by Go Bears Go, who was tipped on the show by Naomi Tucker. So shout out to Naomi. She got you the gravy. I think this fella is a lot better than we've seen so far. And I think it's very interesting that he's the only representative for Aidan O'Brien. So... Uh, he's a Caravaggio, he'll be back on good ground. Yes, I'm aware of the fact that it was good ground last time out, but I think there's there's more to come from him, so I'd give him a chance. I will give a mention to Mia Mento on the Sunday, 3.20 for Jessica Harrington. We talked about her on the pod. She was a huge eye-catcher on Derby Day at the Curra. She broke terribly and then just ran into a wall of horses. I think she's going to be compensated at the weekend, so... We don't have a market for that race yet, but it's the 320, the Irish Stallion Farms, EBF, Phillies Handicap. I think Miamento is a good thing. And uh, the other horse I think is a good thing is for Joseph O'Brien, and that's in the 5 o'clock on the Sunday. It's a horse called Emphatic Answer. He described the horses as a dark horse earlier in the season. She won last time out as a 7-1 to shot in Killarney. She's been given a £7 rise. She won snugly that day. I think that grossly underestimates her ability. And daughter of No Name Ever, I think she'll take a lot of beating. We're possibly going to see Order of Australia, as Sarah Lynham sends me a message. Hello, Sarah. So we're possibly going to see Order of Australia out and about starting his stuff over seven furlongs at the Curra again on Sunday. That'll be at 210 live on Racing TV. So check that out. Hopefully, as Lucy and I review the weekend's racing, I think one of our American colleagues is going to be on with this. It could be Pete. It could be Naomi. I say this because Bob Baffett is permitted to have New York runners again as judge overrules NYRA ban. I mean, Bob Baffett. How many times... Has, has Bob Baffett been implicated in something that's just absolutely horrific and all of a sudden he just wiggles his way out of it? I, I don't. We'll, we'll talk to Pete or Naomi about that. Potentially, and of course Lucy as well, on, on Monday's show. Who is your best bet for the weekend, Lucy? It have to be between Vintage Carrots and Diligent Harry. Um, I know Diligent Harry's stepping onto the turf for the first time, but... That's the only negative. Vintage Carrots, in my opinion, the only negative is his opposition. So Vintage Carrots will be my selection. Okay. Um, uh, my best bet for the weekend, sorry. So Vintage vintage Clarets is your best bet for the weekend. That's great. That means I can go Kings Lynn uh, and take you on with Diligent Harry. But I, I will also, we'll make it a patent and we'll go withhold as well. So there's there's our, our patent. So your your best bet is? Vintage Clarets. Okay, Vintage Clarets is about three to one right now. We've got Kings Lynn, round about five to two, and Withhold is about eights. That's a solid patent. That's a nice patent that will put us in gravy. And uh, we'll recap all of this on Monday 
with Lucy Russell Hughes. And during that show, we will either discuss the egg that is on our face or the success we had. And, uh, you know, play like uh, bragging sounds for Lucy and stuff like that and uh, about how she crushed it yet again. Lucy, have a great weekend and get ready for Freedom Day. Well, hey, yay. Well, that, that couldn't possibly go wrong. I mean, nothing went wrong when, when it was done in December. Just open everything up. It's fine. It's all grand. Jesus. It's not that, I'm not saying that, by the way, because I'm desperately jealous of the fact that you guys are going to be able to be actually free to do what you want whenever you want any old time. Are you concerned about Freedom Day? I wouldn't say concerned, more pleased. (laughs) Freedom! (laughs) Hopefully the country's getting back in the right direction. Have you been vaccinated? I haven't, but I've got it booked in, so it's imminent. Same as me. Very same as me. I'm getting vaccinated next week. Friend of mine rang me about it actually and was asking me, did I get the vaccine? And I was like, no, no, I haven't. I'm not that old, you I'm a millennial. I am, you know, actually, I'm genuinely a millennial. There's some people out there who think I'm 50. Uh, Screw you. It's like, (laughs) screw you, Kennedy. Screw you. You'll be fine. Just keep taking your painkillers and shut up. Right, so there you go. Look, we've got a patent and hopefully um, we've given you a little bit of entertainment and um, most importantly, informative analysis. Uh, Lucy Russell Hughes, you're a class act. Uh, Where can we read your content? Well, usually I share it on my Twitter. I think Lucy Hughes underscore one one or something like that. But I do write the column for the Gazette and Herald, which they do put online. So, but it's just a local paper. Where is that locally available? In Rydale, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately for you. But <laughs> I love the way you say, unfortunately, it's in Rydale. Unfortunately for the listeners and, and yourself that aren't in Yorkshire or Rydale. They do, they do share it online occasionally. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Hopefully, then we can uh, read your content. But ch- just check you out on Twitter, basically. Uh, I'll link you in to the tweet on this. And um, you should be following Lucy because she's class, uh, as you can hear. And uh, incredibly patient as well. Uh, Lucy, what are you currently watching? Oh, I don't really... I, w- I was watching the Euros, Emmett. I don't really tend to watch any sitcoms or anything like that. I do watch Wimbledon and the Euros in live sport. <laughs> so you, see... Anything that's live. Dream stuff right there. It's that I don't want to watch the football. I want to watch uh, the housewives of uh, whatever the bloody hell or Love Island. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I've got to go watch this on my iPad. No. Bye. Uh, but no, Lu- Lucy's like, no, I'm not watching this. I will make a recommendation for a show that's available on Apple TV Plus for all mankind. Uh, it's got two seasons. It's very, very good. It's on Apple TV Plus. Joel Kinnaman is in it, and it's basically an alternate reality where the Russians get to the moon first, and what that does to the space race, and what it does to America and America's confidence, and how NASA reacts. It's very, very well done. It's very, very good. Uh, highly recommended. The other show that I would recommend is Bosch. If you have Amazon Prime Video, the final ever season of Bosch has just dropped. It's absolutely brilliant. So I highly recommend that. And if you like the MCU, Disney Plus, Loki, six episodes, that's all. And it's amazing. It's so, so good. There's lots of British talent in that as well. So 
go watch it. It's fantastic. I'll convert you all to MC fans. That's it from Lucy Russell Hughes. Thank you. I'm going to speak to you. Well, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Sunday, Monday. WhatsApping you as as the winners are banging in on Saturday, or just staying very very silent and sending you the running order on Sunday. Uh, and uh, and for me, Emma Kennedy, uh, thank you for all the kind words about the Simon Holt podcast. Really glad that you enjoyed that. Delighted to say that Simon's going to be back on the show very very soon. So looking forward to that. And uh, we got some big we got some big shows lined up for you. So we hope you enjoy those too. Take care. Look after yourself. Enjoy the weekend. If you like this content, share retweet subscribe in your podcast app it all helps and make sure you're betting top plus stay safe god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by toast think you can't get better value think again 10 percent bigger dividends when you bet direct with top plus at toast.co.uk